Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will declare that it is good to be home, Alice. I actually interviewed an interesting guy today running for state senate against really a total DB in Connecticut. Connecticut. That's great. Uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, it is great, and um, it was just fun. His name is Dan Maresi, 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 and he is running. He's thirty-two years old. Just got into politics for the first time. Just kind of finding his own way, talking to people, hustling. And he is um, he is a KMS fan, Alice. So the first Minahan disciple now is out there. And uh, I think we should start an army of Minahans well, running for public office, honey. I think our country could only get better. Well, it's interesting because if Kirk caught on to this guy, the guy needs help. He's there's two of them. It's him and his his manager, handler, partner, whatever name. And they both like KMS. Oh, I don't know, but oh, okay. but this guy is like, he's working hard. He's hustling. He's not doing what normal people. He, they're not. They don't have loads of door knocking people. He doesn't have state like help from the parties necessarily. There's some can, the Trumpy candidates are helping him, but I mean you're familiar with this, you know, or, you know of where course. you thought there was supposed to be help, there isn't, and so he's just hustling. So that's awesome. How exciting. So and it was very funny at some point. He, he, he said, like, like, my best bet is to like use social media to get out there, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, yeah, but, but you know, I understand that. But, you know, you're going to have to be trying to get voters who voted for Ronald Reagan to vote for you as well. And he astutely pointed out that's why he was on my show. <laughs> <laughs> that so, was his outreach to the olds. Yeah, essentially, yeah. And, was uh, coming on AM Talk with and you. It's I mean, smart. it makes sense. It's smart. And it's an interesting... You have an insanely big following i've glanced through your ratings which i'm not allowed to say much about but i will say that your ratings amongst uh the elderly are really phenomenal thank you <laughs> i'll take it i'll take it but you know what's interesting about it is that i mean this is a total can you talk again 
Yes, I can talk again. Can What's wrong? Is something happening? No, over you're there? just lower than you are. That's okay. I look fine on mine. No. So, so <clears throat> it's interesting. He's brand new. He, uh, you know, when he gives like he's only given a couple of speeches, like Republican state committee or town town committee speeches, or an official thing here and there. He wear, wears a suit, but mostly he's just in a tank top, a Captain America tank top or something like that. You would think that this is. When he walks out of a place, because he does a lot of social media, he and Leah, his partner, they do social media wonderfully. So he's walking out of buildings all the time. It's right out of Portnoy. He might as well be saying, you know, the rules one bite with pizza. Mm-hmm. But he is doing it. He's going out there and doing it, you know, by messaging. And it's for a Republican candidate for state senator, it is unheard of. He's like on it. But if they got, I mean, if they got juked by the. It would mean Buy something. some money and stuff. Well, or certainly some money, but if the mini mini fans got behind him, that would be. Well, yeah, I mean, so the thing is, and uh, you know, I'm conflicted about money and politics. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, I think bring on the money and politics, frankly, but um, but money is interesting because it doesn't work quite as well as a lot of people want to believe it does, including people that are opposed to money and politics <clears throat> and people that are against money and politics. You know, like, I think Bloomberg in the presidential election in 2020 was, like, a really good test case for how far money can get you. Because he essentially Mm -hmm. threw all the money available at the problem. Right. Right? And he got to, like, 15%. He won, like, Guam or something, I think. Maybe. I mean, so maybe he (laughs) could go personally talk to everybody on on Guam. Right. Right? So, and he spent, like, what, did, did, like, a half a billion dollars or something insane like just on a primary that didn't even get to the end of the primary whatever anyway so you know it doesn't quite get you there but especially in small races a little bit of money makes a huge difference and i'm not talking about these people like there's a whole class of grifters both left and right who run for absolutely completely unwinnable seats in unwinnable districts that just are hopeless but they run against people that are like famous like they'll run against mitch mcconnell or they'll run against um like beto is a good example of this his race was not winnable he did about as well as you could do in that race it was not a winnable race and i mean he like spent a ton of money there but i hesitate to even class him with the the real grifters who like run against Mitch McConnell in an unwinnable race or these people um what's the one the Baltimore one Kim Cla- classic classic yeah it sounds um, right yep um like they just what these people do left and right who are running for these offices that are unwinnable is they put out a bunch of really kind of polished exciting ads that say you know I'm going to get so and so out of congress like insert person that the other team hates you know, mm-hmm. here, put Mitch McConnell, or I'm going to get rid of AOC, or I'm going to get rid of whoever, right? So you put in, you know, it gets out there, and it gets people excited on social media, and your campaign brings in a ton of money into an unwinnable district, and then you, like, hire a bunch of your family members to work for your camp and friends to work for your campaign and pay them a lot of money to do it. So that's kind of how that works. But... um realistically like i haven't looked at this guy's district he's running against the the senate majority leader yes it's a nice district in connecticut right um i don't know like but i don't know how the district skews or like Mm. or anything about it like you you would have to look like precinct by precinct and like who voted for who in the history of it and you would have to understand the voters which i don't because i'm not local to there but in in small races 
And state Senate races are small, right? You know, you're talking you could lose by a margin of a few thousand votes. And in those kinds of races, like you're the, the money that you can spend makes a huge difference because you're talking about like the ability to print a bunch of postcards to take door to door. You're talking about the ability to take out ads in a newspaper or ads on local TV or radio. So people even know you exist because people don't even know these races are happening uh, in large part. Right. So there's stuff like that, you know, the ability to make buttons to wear or materials to hand out like yard signs lawn signs can be expensive you know that that's the stuff that like you just you if you're starting from scratch and you have no money in your campaign that's the stuff that's like hard much less like paying for a database to be able to go and talk to voters i know the massachusetts gop like pays for one that they give to all the candidates because they know all the candidates are so underfunded they can't afford that on their own the massachusetts democratic party charges people an arm and a leg to even like use their special voter database that has all the information and demographics and stuff so i don't know those small races there's a lot of sort of tactical stuff that needs to happen but you never know because things swing weirdly look at that new jersey race right in the New Jersey primaries, um, at when or not primaries, sorry, in the New Jersey off-year race uh, that was the same night as the Virginia race, remember last year, and it was the New Jersey race was supposed to be like not winnable, the governor's race, so nobody mm-hmm. put money into New Jersey because he was like ten points behind or something. It was like forget it in all the polls. He came really, really close. Like I forget exactly what it ended up being, like a point away from winning the race, and that was without all the money in there, and. There, I believe it was either their uh, like state house majority leader or their state senate majority leader. One of the two. Somebody lost their seat to like somebody who was like a truck driver and spent right. two hundred dollars. So yeah, you know it can happen. People can just get mad. It happens well, look from at time AOC. to time that there are like wave AOC who mm-hmm. beat Joe Crowley, who was in the hierarchy with Nancy Pelosi. He was in the inner sanctum. Right. He was going nowhere, but he looked past her. He just. Didn't think about it. Yeah. So, I mean, weird things can happen. I wish the guy the best. I think it's awesome. I haven't listened yet to your chat with him. I kind of want to go hear it because I'm interested because I love younger people. At the moment, there's four hours of the show. The three without him are posted. So we'll we'll see. So anyway, I'll, you know, well, I hope it gets posted because I'd like to hear it because I'm interested. I think more young people who aren't political should be in politics. And you think I'm kind of joking that the mm-hmm. fans should all run for office. But I think that, like, that would be a breath of fresh air, honestly. Well, I'll tell you, what I'm interested about, first of all, you can tell he's been a talk radio listener. He has been. Mm-hmm. But he's also, a, he, he, he grew up in a nice town but went to Framingham State in Massachusetts. Okay. It's not great. But he's a hockey kid. So he played hockey. Hockey wasn't a great wasn't a great uh, student, but hockey saved him. Kind of, you know, after playing a little uh, hockey, not pro, you know, kind of dumped out into his twenties, finding his way, doing jobs here and there. Um, he worked. Uh, they used to set up. He used to set up tents, like the same way I used to set up banquets. Banquets, same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Set up tents here and there, etc. He worked with all sorts of guys from other countries. Got to know them. It was, it was very. It's an interesting and familiar story. Um, but he's in the total mold of, of like I said, a barstool person. Mm-hmm. But it, nothing thuggish or punkish about him. But friendly, smiling, not offended by anything. You could tell has I could tell that had uh, that we had callers for him, 
who were vicious that he would have been able to handle it. You know, he's got that thing from the barstool, you know, uh, KMS world where you don't let stuff bother you. If you're right. going to play that game, you don't let stuff bother you. So it's a great skill set. You know, he doesn't have, I don't think he has, but I think he's learning uh, all the these kitchen table water rates in this, in like on the specifics probably the the incumbent could you know run circles yeah but, but, you he, but know he's a how philosophical many... guy he's in, right but he's positivity and philosophy and in one of the things he does is one of the that he'll go to for an answer which i don't think is bad is he'll say the way you fix the damage done by let's say let's say um Let's say like uh, the pandemic thing, putting people in um, ugh, when we when we locked all the kids out of their classes mm-hmm. is one of the things you do is to make sure you'd never do it again. Let America be right. Like it, it's right. it's a platitude. It's not quite a dodge, but it's in the right direction. It's all in the right direction. Um, so anyway, it just it was just interesting. I mean, who who knows? I I, I I would be it would be interesting to see. I mean, it's the kind of thing that could cause a spark. Well, right. But he's got to be somewhere there's a spark, of course. Well, right. And you say, you know, that he doesn't know as much on the specifics of things. Well, sure. But, I mean, like, frankly, having done a lot of stuff kind of adjacent to state politics, do you know how just, like, completely dumb a lot of people are in state politics are? Like, a lot yes. of them are just really profoundly stupid people, oh, yeah. especially in states like Massachusetts and I assume Connecticut, where like there's a lot of really, really blue districts where nobody's ever going to challenge you and like you're not going to lose your seat for anything like and, and you know, and Massachusetts has like one of the lowest rates even of contested primaries in the country, which is, you know, kind of counterintuitive because you would think that like being a blue state, the primaries would be really competitive. But it's like very it's a very much like a machine union politics, like incumbent friendly state. So people almost never challenge incumbents. They just wait their turn when the party says it's their time and then they sail to their next seat. And it just rewards people who are so unmotivated and frankly dumb and uninterested in learning things and just like who lack intellectual curiosity. I know you've talked to and you know a lot of state legislators Mm -hmm. and stuff too. There's state legislators who are awesome out there and it's really I find state politics really interesting. I know it's not your cup of tea Mm -hmm. but um, I like state politics a lot. There are a lot of really dumb people in state politics, like people who just should not be there, who just coast and, it, you know, don't they're not going to lose their seats. So they don't care. And they just like to wander the district, shaking hands with people and get invited to ribbon cuttings and stuff like there's a lot of people like that. So, I mean, it it's completely a learnable job and you're one out of a lot of people it's not like he's running for governor and has to do on the job learning you're one out of i don't know exactly how many connecticut has but like a hundred and whatever legislators you're gonna be fine like you learn it you have a staff Mm -hmm. like you have people who write the legislation for you you don't have to like personally it's not it's not that hard a job i know that like legislators like to pretend like they have a really important and job right. that only they can do but then like right up the street there are states like new hampshire where they don't pay their legislators anything so like they'll elect just really wacky people 
you know, that like anybody can run and right. people win races all the time who are completely nuts. And their state somehow still trucks along like nothing's broken. Everything's fine. So, you know, it's not like some important like profession. Politics is not meant to be an impo- like a profession. You're supposed to be able to just walk in off the street and like figure it out. Right. And and you have the career government employees who work in the buildings, who know how stuff works, who can explain it to you. And, you know, if, if you're willing to learn and you have intellectual curiosity about it and you're into state politics, I say, like, bring in the people off the street. Why not? It it can only it can only help our politics because our politics is so screwed up and crazy, especially mm-hmm. in these like totally one party states. Uh, okay, Allison, can I change subject with you? Sure, let's change subjects. Okay. Um, by the way, we had a, a long and huge and expansive day just driving all over the New England, so we'll, we'll see. Patreon folks, uh, we love you, and, I, and we intend to, to make good on our covenant with you. We intend to. But I don't know that there's – that we've I, – I don't know that tonight's the night necessarily – but soon, soon, we are rearranging, like I said, we are rearranging our lives here to make things work better so that everybody gets properly uh, serviced. Eh? I don't know right. if I like that. No. Not when I say it, anyway. Um, okay, <clears throat> so just looking at this, this is uh, the emotions of... <sighs> I am now, Alice, I think now that I'm... Um, mostly, mostly dead. I've now, my mindset is now defaulting to pull the cord in the suicide vest. About what in particular? About generally just defaulting in general. So now that I'm, I'm looking at Trump again, not because I think he'd be the best new president, but because the entire establishment needs to be blown up and. He's he would be the way to do it, and they have it coming, and he would be symbolically the best way to do it. The thing that bothers me about that is he was there, and he didn't blow up the establishment enough. Clearly, I wish yeah, he would have done else, more. But you know, you, you give a guy a, you know, he got he did the moonshot and landed on the moon. Fine, he didn't golf and do jumping <laughs> jacks, but my God, he got there. I mean, okay, but you know, I, uh, I don't know. I would hope he's like learned from how uh, the federal government treated him during his first presidency. Okay, so you know what I don't like these, uh, the, just by default, just lifestyle-wise, me and a lot of these Silicon Valley types who do TED Talks are not, not for me. <sighs> Sorry, I usually I wish violence upon them. One of the very few times I, I get my heart warms when I think of the existence of pitted bulls is when they'd be... Attacking somebody doing a TED talk with a tiny, thin microphone who's using words like stakeholders and this and that. But so I came to the story about uh, Adam Newman. Remember Adam Newman? Is he the WeWork guy? He's the guy? WeWork guy. Now, oh, I, I, I remember vaguely that he did something bad there or whatever. He had the WeWork thing going and then it wasn't going. Was he have ethical problems or something? I remember like four years ago, WeWork was the greatest thing in the world and then. A month later, suddenly all these places were boarded up and condemned. Or I don't. What was and he it? came out still rich. I don't remember the exact details, okay. but but okay. 
So anyway, he's one of these guys who had a thing that was the thing for a while, the it thing, and then it was not anymore. And we work, mm-hmm. I think it was offices, like just where you It was do- like, yeah, it was flexible office space. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the problems that existed with the company. I forget exactly how his malfeasance played in, but he definitely was being, um, you know, criticized for something that he did regarding this. But really... A big part of his problem was was this wasn't really a tech company. It was really a real estate company. Right. Like, they bought a bunch of office space and then rented it to people, basically. And they had like a platform, like sort of an Airbnb for office space, right? Like where you could... But, but that's like not really... A, right, a unique the, the, tech thing. Like you're just right. you're the, just a landlord. Right, your of. interface with a your personalized logo, but really you're dealing in real estate. Right, right. So I, I mean, and that's struggled. Obviously, I don't even think it made it to the whole pandemic thing, but that's like yeah. presents another whole issue. But yeah, I mean, it it was a company that seemed like a good idea. There was this whole like period in Silicon Valley where everybody was like, we're the Uber for X. We're the Uber for dog walking. We're the Uber for, you know, office space. We're U-. and some like a very small number of those things worked out like Airbnb is kind of mm-hmm. like that. And then there's obviously like Lyft is directly an Uber competitor. You know, Grubhub and Uber Eats compete. Sure. But very few Uber for whatever models like are actually useful because there's very few things that you need in that kind of sporadic way. Like if you get an Uber for a dog walker, you might as well just hire the dog walker. Like once you hire them once on the Uber thing, if you need the dog walker every day, you might as well just hire them and not pay the app percent, you know. So um, there's there's a problem. There was sort of a, a bubble of those types of companies in Silicon Valley, and and I kind of put that in that category a little bit. Um, but okay, so let yeah. me read so the story. So Adam Newman's back, apparently. So investor slam WeWork founder Adam Newman's disgusting comeback. Controversial WeWork founder Adam Newman is raking in massive amounts of investor cash for his new real estate startup, but some venture capitalists are cringing at the comeback plan. After news broke on Monday that Newman's new residential real estate startup, Flow, had raised a reported $350 million from prominent venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz at a valuation north of $1 billion. Is there? Can we go ask somebody for this kind of money? It's a Flow, sir, uh, north of $1 billion. Several tech investors and founders reacted angrily. This is disgusting, Kate Braddock, CEO of the startup Switch and a general partner at the W Fund, wrote on Twitter. So this is why I am put on the side of I am now allying allying myself allying is a thing right mm-hmm. or allying myself with Adam Newman I'm an Adam Newman person then because this is her why? tweet she's just bold enough to go out and ask for money no this is her tweet mm-hmm. Kate Brodick Blue Check who is CEO of the startup Switch and a general partner at W Fund wrote on Twitter I'm sure Kate Braddock also has hundreds of millions of dollars and is filthy rich like all the other people, et cetera. Right. She says, this is disgusting. A16s, that's the that's the people who gave the money mm-hmm. um, at the Andreessen Horowitz. A16's largest check going to a founder of one of the most toxic companies we've seen. Firms like this perpetuate over and over again a traditional system that favors small, homogeneous set of founders. Don't look. Don't look. Okay. 
Now, there's something I omitted from that. She actually said, A16's largest check going to a, parentheses, cis white man, straight white male, mm-hmm. <laughs> founder of one of the most toxic companies. I'm now with him. I don't give a flying F. She is a filthy, bigot, dumbass, div- divisive, small brain POS. And mm-hmm. so I'm with him. I don't care if she makes my uh, lisinopril that I take for high blood pressure and, and does it at a, at a I don't care. I don't care. All the people that think like her need to be disenfranchised in somewhere else. They suck. Right. His problem isn't that he's a cis white male. It's that his company sucked. So, I mean, but right. if he's convinced people to give him more money, then like, <laughs> fine. I guess good for him. Straight white male. It's a pro- problem. Largest check going to a straight white male. Three things wrong with him. Straight, white, and male. Now, if he decided to have sex in a different way with the with fellows instead, then then that makes it a little less bad. <laughs> Apparently, <sighs> I am all for this guy. I am all for woman. it. I am going to. I am going to. Um, um, I am going to um, support him and donate to the company. Don't donate to them. Donate to donate. <laughs> okay. All right, so I'm out of stuff. Anything else? Yes, there's lots going on. Go ahead, on. please. Take- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Where are you? I'm out of stuff. I know you're out of stuff, but... This is why we have to redo the schedule. Uh, We'll we'll talk uh, offline about this We can talk online, too. I mean, we're going to redo the schedule. Probably going to go down to three days at, at some point. And then do like the other days to do other stuff. But we're working, we're working on it right now. And this is not good on the three days because, because it's a hassle. But it, although it, it can be, but there, are, w- with block scheduling like this, there are times when everybody loses, including the podcast. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's what true. we're going to do. Right. That's true. So, anyway, um, one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is uh, this Boston Children's Hospital thing, which I hadn't been like super interested in this story to be honest with you because frankly like i know boston children's hospital is woke i live in this state every every medical office and every hospital is woke and nuts and so like and yeah they're a premier children's hospital and the mania about the trans stuff is happening among children like of course they're gonna get in on it they're super woke of course they support all the trans bs like it doesn't I mean, so Libs of TikTok was tweeting videos this week of their providers, um, you know, talking about how they do surgeries on, uh, 
you know, young people and, uh, you know, vaginoplasties, phalloplasties, like, all, I mean, hysterectomies so that you can never have children. Like, all the, I mean, it doesn't, the chopping off breasts is just part one. Like, but the horrors of this stuff, it's really like Frankenstein's monster stuff. So, you know, Libs of TikTok, she put out here some of these videos of these providers talking about that. These are videos they put up on their website. She didn't like, hack anybody or secretly record anybody doing anything. She just put out their public videos and tweeted them out to her followers and said, this is disgusting, right? So these are videos that they were proud of and had put out there in the universe. In typical libs of TikTok fashion, this was viewed as an attack. And, um, you know, she added a little bit of commentary saying like they're they want to do these crazy surgeries on children. They want to do hysterectomies on children. They want to cut up the genitals of children. Like, this is nuts, essentially. And so then they came for her, and she got fact-checked. So PolitiFact came and wrote a big piece saying, like, Libs of TikTok says they're doing this stuff on children, but they're absolutely not. If you go to their website, it says right there that they only do vaginoplasties on people 18 and older. Case solved, rated false, end of discussion. (laughs) So I read this fact check the other day and I thought to myself briefly, like, what are the chances that the, quote, reporter at PolitiFact that's going for the facts checked, like, the Wayback Machine or another internet archive or asked them any questions Uh about if that has always been their policy or how long it's been their policy or anything like that? The answer is they did not do any of that grounding research. As it turns out, Libs of TikTok has screenshots of the same page of their website from August 12th, just before all this happened. And uh, it didn't say 18, it said 17. So they absolutely had a policy of doing those what exact a, surgeries what on minors. Up. What are they crazy? What so are they, they crazy? So they changed their website after the libs of TikTok videos started to garner a bunch of terrorism. Sorry, I was thinking of something else. They're calling, they started to garner all this attention that they're now calling stochastic terrorism. So this is like the word of the week that everybody on the left is saying about this Boston Children's Hospital thing, stochastic terrorism, which basically is a fancy word for saying somebody said mean stuff about us and then it made people mad at us. Right. So it's like that it's supposed to be like inspiring lone wolf attacks. So the rhetoric is stochastic terrorism. So this has been like in everybody's stochastic stochastic terrorism. So remember that because you're about to hear a lot more of it because the FBI stuff is about to be called stochastic terrorism, Mm -hmm. too. This is what everybody's into like this. So, yeah, but, like, what a screw-up, not only by Children's Hospital to immediately go out and change their webpage and not just, like, take down the whole page or something, but also the, quote, fact-checker. Like, do you not know that the internet has archive pages? Like, is that not something you're aware of as a internet fact-checker? Is that not something you can do? Did you not reach out to them for comment? That's incredible to me. So that they ran with, and they're still, they haven't corrected the story. She put out there the screenshots of their of their website showing that days before uh, August 12, 2022, their website said 17 and up, you can get hysterectomies. (laughs) So, I mean, like, 
you know, so they're coming out here and saying that's absolutely not. We don't do these surgeries on children. That's ridiculous. We merely give them totally reversible and harmless off-label puberty blockers that prevent them from developing normal puberty and a normal adult sexuality. That's totally reversible and fine and awesome. And we do that. But we definitely don't. Which already, like, the goalposts have moved so far by that point that you're, like, pumping a bunch of 11-year-olds and minors full of drugs to, like, stop the normal processes of their body and, like, make them a lifelong pharmaceutical patient because of, like, your weird ideology. Like, that's fine. But at least we're not doing the really serious destructive surgeries <laughs> until they're 18. The second we turn 18, then we do the crazy destructive surgeries that ruin their lives. That's what we do then the second they turn 18. But... They actually just were lying. They do the surgeries on people younger than that, too. Certainly top surgery, but they focused in in particular on the hysterectomies and vaginoplasties. And they... Who the freak gets into this, this... This medical field. Right. It seems insane to me. I want to do gruesome experimental things yeah, that I want have to no cut basis in anything. Off children's arms and then create a Jesus, fake so penis gr- for them. That gross. seems great. Like, it's so weird and screwed up. And then... And then they would say, they would turn around and say that people like us are obsessed with trans kids, like, and like obsessed with their genital. Like, no, you're the one who's weird and creepy about genital. Like, I can't, it's so insane, but the lying is what's incredible to me. The fact that the PolitiFact person didn't bother to check and the fact that Boston Children's Hospital just blatantly lied about it, too. So then, um, this woman, uh, Alejandra Carab. Bio, I guess. Uh, wise Latina clinical instructor, Harvard Law, Cyber Law Clinic, Gender and Tech, whose Twitter handle is Esqueer. Um, she has bylines in sleep, wired, and uses she, her pronouns. Um, but anyway, she um, has this whole Twitter thread about this that she goes, um, People are celebrating the fact that providers at BCH are being harassed and receiving death threats. These fascists know exactly what they're doing by sending a mob after doctors and medical staff. Well, maybe just don't lie about what you're doing. If you're so proud of it and it's so great, just leave the 17 years old on your website. You are the ones that do the surgeries. Just don't lie. I don't know. Next time you see people like J.K. Rowling crying about a threat on Twitter, just remember that the average trans person or medical provider being inundated in threats as a result of all the anti-trans harassment campaigns. They don't have private security and a castle to hide in. And then she posts because people have been posting online, like, internal emails from BCH panicking and emailing out all the employees saying, like, forward on all the threats you're getting there, like, freaking out. So people are posting these emails on Twitter. She goes, also, F the employee who's putting their colleagues in danger by acting as a collaborator in the harassment campaign. I hope they're found and immediately fired. Twitter's just sitting on their butts while libs of TikTok, Matt Walsh, Chris Rufo, and Billboard Chris use this platform as a... Use this platform. Who's to, the last one? Uh, Billboard Chris. He's somebody who's been tweeting about this too. I don't really know him. Use this platform to drive a stochastic terrorism campaign across Boston Children's Hospital. Is it going to take a provider getting killed for them to act? What do you think Libs of TikTok's followers see when she posts something like this? It's the equivalent of, won't someone rid me of this meddlesome priest? When someone acts on it, they'll inevitably distance themselves. It was just a lone wolf. So, yeah, so this is, like, where we are with this children's hospital stuff, and I'm intrigued to see where this goes because, I mean, I don't obviously want, and everybody would clearly say they don't want the hospital to be harassed, but 
like you always say, it's like the soccer player, like... You're the one doing right. these crazy surgeries yeah. and stuff. And you're the ones who put these videos out here saying what you do. You're the ones who had on your website that you do these surgeries, that you're talking about proudly in public videos, that you do them on 17-year-olds. You were proud of this. This was on your website. This is just people posting what you do. And when there is some kind of backlash against it, when people... It turns out, think that what you're doing is macabre and crazy and insane and damaging children. It turns out that then you've been wounded and you fall down and cry about it. Just like the FBI is doing with this Mar-a-Lago stuff. Just, oh my goodness, we've been terrorismed because (laughs) because we did something that people don't like and now we're getting criticized for it. Like, sorry, you made the videos that you put out there. Like nobody, nobody's lying about you. Nobody's doing anything to you. Like nothing's happening. Like you went out there and said that you proudly do these nut surgeries on kids. That was you. Like you did it. I don't know. Like you made the video saying being all proud that you do this. Like if you're proud of it, you're proud of it. Go for it. Can you imagine though, talking about what we talked about yesterday about living in an echo chamber? Imagine being so cloistered that you assume you'll only get plaudits. Right, but that's what they think. They're shocked to yeah. learn that there are other opinions on these issues, and that most people's just mouths drop open when you talk about the surgeries that you do on trans kids. You know that. I mean, it's so horrific and people don't realize because like the trans movement puts on this nice face of like cute. TLC shows and, you know, fun little NBC news specials, right? How is Jazz doing these days? Oh, terrible. Terrible. It's extremely sad what her family and her medical providers have done to her. Just think we saw that that abuse front and center. They celebrated it. They made a show about it. They exploited this. And and you see it. I mean, even Fox News had that clip uh, during Pride Month. Remember, they showed the family with the trans kid. We're just like, yeah, this is great. So they put this nice face on it. Oh, it's just just a haircut. Just let him wear the other. It doesn't matter. Like, it's just so much better to have a living daughter than a dead son. Mm -hmm. Like, all the things that they, you know. But it doesn't change the underlying reality of what this stuff ultimately means and what you're putting your kid on a path towards when you do this. Because you're heading them towards an end result. And it's your job as a parent and as like a medical provider, by the way, to inform people honestly about what these choices are going to end up as and like adults don't seem to have a problem doing that when it comes to like telling their kids not to smoke or telling their kids not to drink I mean well some parents seem to have a problem telling their kids not to drink there's always the ones that you know give the kids the alcohol and get somebody killed and then end up on the hook for it right but you know most parents understand that you need to limit your kid from making choices that they might regret down the road and not just nod along and say yes to every crazy thing that your kid comes up with that they want to do get a tattoo pierce their whole face you know whatever it is like your job as a parent and and as i say like a doctor it's a doctor's job to tell a kid who's 14 and starts smoking like you know smoking's fun and harmless right now at this moment and you might not care that you have a cough and whatever but you're doing yourself some real long-term damage down the road and you need to stop doing this. And it's so extremely that we've made laws against letting young people do it. 
And in a lot of ways, limited adults from making those choices, too, in terms of the additional taxes, in terms of like not having places to live. A lot of times people won't rent to smokers. You can't smoke inside. You can't smoke in restaurants and bars like we've on purpose made it really difficult for people to choose smoking because we know it's really bad for them. So like people do wrap their minds around this stuff when it comes to some things, which I think is like where this trans stuff is going to end up which is going to be it's like going to be for adults. And like, if you want to do it, more power to you. But we're not going to give you money to do it because you're harming yourself. Right. Like you're destroying your body that works just fine and is great. And like, you know, I, I think down the road that the, people are going to see this like that, like encouraging kids to smoke mm -hmm. or, or something like that, because it's so. Oh, I think it's going to be much more serious, much more serious. I mean, it's it. it, it Smoking is inhaling things that will be corrosive to your lungs, etc. This is the they're amputating the breasts of a healthy young girl who's confused for life. That's freaking medieval dark. That's ISIS <laughs> so, level craziness. It's so insane. It's like so. I've got insane. one thing. Do you have yeah. one thing? Or are you done? Um, I did have one more thing, but you go first. No, let me hear you one more thing. I'm scrolling back to it, so you go ahead. All right, and your thing. Seth Dillon of the Babylon Bay. Mm -hmm. Joined Joe Rogan today, Alice. Oh, interesting. And they had a little conversation. And Joe Rogan. He also, good... I believe, funds loves of TikTok. I think they. Oh yeah. Paid her. So yeah. remember, we uh, said that 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 Rogan Could is the perfect. Could be wrong about that. Don't quote me, but I'll look it up. Sorry. Go ahead. That Rogan is the perfect person to, in a, in a lot of ways, to distill. You know what is BS and what is okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, here we go. You don't have the right to tell my fourteen-year-old daughter she has to carry her rapist baby. You understand but to that? look that woman in the eye who's who was the but born listen, of a rapist. Do you understand that? That's a fourteen-year-old child. I if know. you a fourteen-year-old child gets raped, you say that they have to carry that baby. I don't think two wrongs make a right. I don't think that's murder. Not, I, don't I don't think, think murder is an answer to. I don't think murder fixes a rape. What if we're talking about an abortion when the fetus, like literally, it's like six weeks, four weeks, three days? What if she just turned positive just now, positive for pregnancy? I don't. I, well, I just disagree that. What if can, it just happened that today? You can like draw a line on when you can't. Like, once life so you has can't begun, do, I don't at think you the draw very lines. moment. I would lay it out. Pretty like ballsy this, answer by Seth Dillon. I would have had said, gone with the six week thing, taking a deal right there. Yep, that's no problem then. Especially since Rogan here, it seems to have a uh, a a robust uh, gin and tonic uh, swinging around. It is wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human life. Abortion intentionally kills an innocent human life. Therefore, abortion is wrong. And I don't think any of the, I don't think any of the examples of like, oh well, how developed is it? You know, can it? Can it think? Is it conscious? Can it dream? Can it feel pain? So for you, it's the moment of conception. I think that if it's a, if it's a human life, an a distinct human life, then I think it's wrong to, to end its life. Um, and so you think that even, once, do you think that like once the conception happens, there's some sort of a miraculous event, like at the very moment, like you could literally get to the point where the sperm cracks the egg. If you could scoop that egg out right there, would that be abortion? Well, I mean, at by the way, Rogan's talking like people do. Mm -hmm. It's great. At some point, you're going to have to say there was a magic moment that happened because you believe that we eventually become valuable humans, right? Well, listen, Wh I, where's, I, the, where's the moment where you think the magic happened? When we start talking about harmful misinformation and the, t the types of things that are considered, like that I say or that we tweet or the jokes that we make that are considered harmful mis misinformation, I'm like, well, what about, what about calling that baby a clump of cells? I think that's harmful misinformation because then you're, you're encouraging people to kill it like it's nothing when it's actually a human life. It's a developing human life. I think abortion is health care the way that rape is lovemaking. If we want to, if we want to use rape as an example, I think it's, I think they're, they're opposites. 
and 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 it's like a, a these are euphemisms that we use. You know, we use the word healthcare. We're talking about a procedure that ends an innocent human life, and we're calling it healthcare. That's like calling rape lovemaking. And this know. is why it's such a, a human issue because I right. see what you're saying. Life is valuable. Like yes, and people have almost were the victims of abortion, and they weren't. They they went on to become these amazing people, and we right. would have lost them. Sometimes it's a failed abortion. Like there's people who su survived like a saline abortion, and they ha and they're Jesus. damaged as a result of it. But they, but they lived, and now they're born. They usually go on, ironically enough, to become pro-life uh, activists. Oh, well, that's crazy. Yeah, that's wild. But it makes sense. I mean, that's what made you. Yeah. Wouldn't you be a pro-life activist? Probably would be. I think it's huge that in the Joe Rogan podcast, that discussion is happening. Yeah. I think more people need to have those conversations without oh, yeah. getting labeled like haters. Or well, right. Or but Rogan is. also is from, from my generation. You would you were not a wise young man at 22 years old if in a room full of mixed company you decided, you know what? Let's have this debate. <laughs> of course. Well, and I think Gen X is sort of interesting like that because, uh, you know, Gen X tends to be a pretty conservative generation overall, but not that much on issues like abortion or gay marriage and stuff. Like, they tend to not be as socially conservative, and this isn't something that I've, like, looked into that closely in the data, but this is just, like, my feeling on Gen X people that I know. Um, I do know that it's true. It's true in the data that Gen X is a conservative uh, generation compared to like the boomers or millennials, right? Where they were at the same age, mm -hmm. you know, so that's something that's true. But I do think that, um, you know, those debates in particular, like the abortion debate was so settled when Gen X was coming up, kind of. It was like so like just done with like there wasn't any chance it was going to be overturned anytime soon like well but that thing came like out in 92 the, didn't it yeah yeah casey yeah. right but then that was like doubly settled right so All this right. is like the time when gen x is now like can vote and has become adults is like right around the time this issue was like done everyone just gets abortions the end like we're not having this debate anymore so they kind of like they came of age politically in a world where that was not an issue and then you know the the gay marriage thing happened a little bit later but also like as gen x was you know in the phase of adulthood kind of like the cool people like south park is happening and stuff the humor is not culturally conservative do you know what i'm saying of course. So, so I think that Gen X, and I think that this relates to kind of like the Portnoy conservative vein that we've talked about before. Like, I think that we're talking about people who are like stoolies, right? Who are like kind of conservative about some stuff, but like on cultural issues really don't care. But I, but I do think that like abortion in particular is an issue that people need to talk about more. And I think like as we've gotten better science than the 70s or even more better science since the 90s, that we, that, you know, it's something that's going to have to be reevaluated and it's going to have to be reevaluated, you know, in, in a way like Joe Rogan is doing it. Right. In a way where it's like people having a conversation and really talking about what they think and wrestling through the issues. And like, because the alternative is that 
you know, we like end in violence. If we don't figure out a way to get along and talk about stuff, then stuff ends in violence, right? Which like goes back to what we talked about yesterday too. Like, you know, the left saying that like we shouldn't get along, we shouldn't allow certain mm -hmm. views, we shouldn't talk about stuff, we shouldn't learn about other people's perspectives and learn where they're coming from and try and like identify with them and understand their point of view. That's wrong. That's bad. Well, like what's the alternative to that? What's the alternative to the types of conversations Rogan's having Mm -hmm. and people deciding to figure out how to get along and deciding to talk to people and really hearing what they're saying about things? Right? It's like ultimately civil war is the alternative. All right. You had one last piece or are you ready to go? We can can head out. So let's – we will play one chat chat message. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Oh, uh, Alice, I have to run to the um, lobby and meet a friend of mine. (laughs) You know, I got to make sure that – that, we um, no. uh, <laughs> get that thing, you know, that thing with Tootie. We got to do that thing. I'll be right back. Half uh, an hour later. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> he handed me this. Um, <laughs> he handed me this. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, just keep riffing. That, <laughs> that is an incorrect scurrilous. That is incorrect and scurrilous. It, it has been proven, and Alice has a police record. You can look at the Roxbury District Court, uh, year of our Lord, 2007, arrested for minor possession of cocaine in Roxbury. As a matter of fact, she is there. You can <laughs> incorrect. It, you it, can look that up. It's yeah, not there. Yeah. It's Alice Shattuck, S H A T T U C K, Social Security, uh, 034991463. All right, Alice. Good message. I appreciate that. I was not doing caned coke. Somebody from, might as well have been. Somebody from Redwood Forest sent me us something yesterday, which Alice indulged in a little too much. I'm just saying. I that, don't uh, think that that's accurate. I, was, and I don't uh, think anybody thinks it's I eschewed it as usual. I think people saw the real you last night. Thank you. So. <laughs> But um, anyway, we thank you all for listening. We promise we're going to do an extra Patreon show this week. We are sorry. We have been on the road. Everything went wrong today, but it was fine. Um, But we made it back here. We did the main show, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. You can find us at burnbarrelpodcast.com. Write us an email, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. C'est la vie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.